I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Admission. Palo Alto is home to some of the wealthiest people in the Bay Area. Wait, scratch that. Palo Alto is home to some of the wealthiest people in the country. Nine of the country's richest billionaires live in Palo Alto. People like Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg and Google's Larry Page. The world's most successful innovators call Palo Alto home, and yet... Homelessness eludes the city just like it does other cities across the Bay Area. There's one guy, though, who's been trying to make a dent in the problem. My name is Christopher Kahn. I am the head of the safe parking program at the Unitarian Universalist Church of Palo Alto. Kahn was worried about what he saw happening in his community. There are people that become unhoused in Mountain View and Palo Alto, like folks who worked at Google, folks who you know, maybe raised their kids here, retired, and had a medical emergency. So just Hearing those stories and realizing that there was so much need really inspired me to to try to take up this issue. His plan? Establish safe parking spots in the parking lot of his church, the Unitarian Universalist Church of Palo Alto. I I read about these programs and, and saw that there was a movement building for folks to bring it here to the Bay Area. Actually, like the city of Mountain View has had it operating, you know, before Palo Alto did. So there was a great example right next door. The plan would allow unhoused residents who live in their cars to find a refuge at night. These are community members who recently lost their homes or jobs. They'd have access to a bathroom, trash cans and Wi-Fi, and caseworkers would be assigned to help them with social services. And our response from the larger community has been overwhelming as well. We've had direct or indirect support from most of the major churches in town, NAACP, League of Women Voters, Peninsula Young Democrats. So it's really kind of across the entire community we've seen a lot of support. But then red tape. And and I think the kind of point where we realized this was going to be a bigger task than we thought was when we first started applying for our permit. A permitting process turned into a two-year battle, Two years for four parking spots. It's literally four cars, four passenger cars. They're not RVs. It's literally like four Camrys in a parking lot with over 100 spaces. Why would it take so long to greenlight so little? Chronicle reporter Lauren Hepler is here to help us understand the dynamics. Lauren, let's start here. Safe parking spots sound like a great community-driven idea to help with homelessness. Is this a popular idea in the Bay Area, and have cities implemented them? Yeah, so it's an interesting issue, actually, because in other parts of California, specifically Santa Barbara, safe parking has been a solution for many, many years, back to like 2004. Um, But in the Bay Area, it's been more recent that it started to gain traction, and in places like Palo Alto and in Richmond, you're seeing city councils sign off on temporary ordinances or pilot projects to sort of explore this, but it's not something that has yet kind of made it as a permanent solution in a lot of places. You were talking about the unhoused population in Palo Alto, and I want to understand what does that look like in comparison to, you know, the Bay Area cities like San Francisco or Oakland? We know that Palo Alto is home to some of the wealthiest Bay Area residents. Yeah, exactly. And because of that, Palo Alto, you know, isn't historically associated with having a large population of unhoused residents. The last time the city counted in 2019, there were about 300 unsheltered people in the city. But 
about three quarters of those folks were living in cars, vans, or RVs. And when you talk to advocates, they say that's because a lot of these folks are families of service workers in the area. They're seniors, people who don't want to be out in the open in tents Mm -hmm. like we see in bigger cities in the Bay Area. So this is more folks that will park along the side of the road during the day. And really what programs um, like safe parking are set up to do as it kind of implies in the name is to give them a stable place to at least, you know, have a place to park overnight, have access to a facility like a portable toilet. But it is by nature very much a temporary solution. Um, The people who are working on these programs stress that they also have case managers trying to get people into permanent housing. Um, And this is purely just sort of meant to be a bridge until you can get into something longer term. So safe parking seems like a good solution for people who are in transition. What kind of hurdles do people who want to start these kinds of programs, what do they have to go through? Like the person you spoke to, Chris. Yeah. So um, we we followed Christopher Can, who is a geneticist in Palo Alto, but who has kind of realized that there was a need to act on homelessness in and around the Bay Area for a long time. He used to teach at UC Santa Cruz, where he talked about having students who were living in the Redwoods there. And when he moved to Palo Alto in 2018, he noticed exactly what we were just talking about with the folks living in RVs and cars, sort of parking outside of these multi-million dollar houses at night. He's a a member of the congregation at the Unitarian Universalist Church of Palo Alto. And he thought, okay, we've got a big parking lot. Um, Let's just set aside a few of those spaces. They were talking about four spaces for folks to sleep in at night. We'll work with a nonprofit to sort of go through applications and, um, you know, have monitors at night and that type of thing. We are next to within two blocks, four schools, a community center, a playground and a major park, as well as a grocery store. So being where we are, we're able to keep them in the community. Like their kids can stay in school. Like in, in our case, they can walk to school. So being able to have all of those things in close proximity really makes a big difference, especially for you know folks that are trying to get their life back together or working two jobs. But what he discovered is because cities are still in kind of this experimental early phase in places like Palo Alto, what that really entailed was basically a two-year-long process where he had to go through multiple rounds of appeals and proposals with the city. Um, There was what he described as sort of heated confrontations at kids' soccer games, at grocery stores, at dog parks, with members of his congregation who were working on this idea and people in the community who were skeptical about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And ultimately, there was a, a showdown with actually a low-income housing development right next door to the church, which just kind of goes to show that you can think, okay, this is a program that seems, you know, like it should be fast or low cost to get off the ground. But in the Bay Area, where housing is so contentious, sometimes a lot of obstacles can arise. So this wasn't just a simple permit application like you're describing. It became this entire political campaign. Why did it have to get to that point? So there's one structural reason for that. And this is something that's very different from other places I mentioned, like Santa Barbara, that have had safe parking programs for longer. Um, There, they 
officials work with the police to sort of determine where these lots are going to go. And it's not up to sort of public approval where each parking spot is located. But in Bay Area cities like Palo Alto, where there's this long history of local control over housing policy, where people want to have a say in their neighborhood, which is understandable from sort of a transparency perspective, Um, Mm -hmm. But it also causes day to day delays um, when you've got people that are able to to block projects or delay them by filing appeals. So that was basically what happened in this case with the the low income housing development next door um, where they said, hey, we're skeptical about crime. They actually wanted background checks for anyone who would be sleeping in the four parking spaces. So that became a point of contention. And it just goes to show how, again, it's like these things that you might not even necessarily think about right off the bat can sort of delay and create more barriers to solutions like this. It sounds like, as you mentioned, there was a lot of heated discussions, but a lot of community dialogue had to take place in order for the church safe parking idea to move forward. Let's hear what Chris Can had to say about that process. We had to do a lot of community education, and it, it was really a big, it was a lot of work. We, we not only hosted community meetings, we hosted meetings with neighbors, like, for example, with our um, partner Stevenson House next door. We had to lobby city council members, provide them slide decks, um, because there was so much misinformation going around the community. We we had to humanize people, essentially, um, just to let them know, like, no, these are folks just like you and me. Like, here are some profiles of folks who have stayed in shelters nearby. I think the interesting thing is we actually had to demonstrate to folks that we'd make the neighborhood safer, um, not only for the for the people in need, but also for the community. More with Lauren Hepler after a quick break. We'll hear what the city of Palo Alto and its residents learned after this two-year battle for four parking spaces. And don't forget about the fifth admission listener survey. We've heard from many of you. Thank you. If you'd like to lend your voice and haven't yet, visit sfchronicle.com survey. Lauren, this community dialogue that Chris Can described, what did it reveal about the perceptions of homelessness in Palo Alto? So I think that really goes to show that there's just this fear of criminality and safety that um, has, has come to be associated with homelessness. It's a stigma that activists will often talk about. Um, in one way, they're trying to debunk that and why everyone involved in this case in Palo Alto that I spoke with ultimately kind of left the process a a little bit more optimistic than you might expect is because what ultimately came out of this long appeal, this two-year process for four parking spots was a series of conversations between housing advocates, between church and religious leaders, and between folks who were skeptical about these programs, like the board of the low-income housing development that filed the appeal. They really got into the data and reports that show that Often folks who are housed in vehicles um, are trying to recover from some sort of short-term shock, like unemployment or a divorce um, or another type of family conflict. Um, They also talked about how folks who are homeless are actually at an increased risk of becoming victims of a crime or victims of violence, um, which researchers at UCSF and elsewhere have established. Um, So for them, it was really about sort of sitting down and talking about these things that 
you know, there might be a knee jerk reaction to or some fear about and trying to work through them. It sounds like unhoused people living inside their cars is, you know, a problem that Palo Alto is really facing. Did the city indicate that it has plans to address that problem directly? Yeah, so that's one interesting part of this. The city of Palo Alto has talked about this a lot all the way back to June 2019. You have the mayor and another city council member who are usually pretty skeptical of large scale housing development saying, look, this has gotten to the point where from a health and safety perspective, we really need to address the number of people that are living in vehicles in our community. But then you you have that, but it in practice, it has taken more than a year and a half to get just a couple of very small scale programs like this one at the church off the ground. So no one is saying that these are easy things that you can just kind of do with the flip of a switch or things like that. Um, But the fear is that they're getting so bogged down in bureaucracy now that you've got other churches or perhaps synagogues, other institutions in the community that want to help, but they're maybe scared of getting dragged into a big drawn out fight like this because you're asking for pre-work in the form of volunteer hours to go through all these city processes. So it's asking a lot from people when people like Christopher can are saying, hey, we just wanted to do something that seemed like it should be pretty easy to do in the first place. We need to make sure that, you know, our city and, and county representatives are making it easy. Um, like four parking spots should not take two years. It should be a simple process. It should be a priority process because these people are actively on the street. So I think there needs to be a level of resourcing and urgency behind it that we just haven't seen. So I think kind of the real core question is, why are we making helping people hard? Why are we penalizing compassion? I don't think it matches our values. I don't think it matches what we want. And frankly, I don't think anyone in the system wants it. But unfortunately, that's the reality. And I think that's something we need to all work together to change. So Chris Can's long fought battle of two years, you know, for four parking spaces, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make that easier for other folks in Palo Alto to to set up a similar program. Not necessarily. But again, the hope is that they now have this playbook to say, here's what we did. We went to well-known community groups like the NAACP. We engaged community members directly and had these tough conversations about the data on homelessness um, and hope that that starts to at least, you know, have unlock more of these dialogues. But yeah, at the, at the root of the issue is sort of these structural questions about how do you approve homeless services projects and what can maybe be done to expedite that process. Yeah. Well, hopefully this is the start of good community dialogue and hopefully solutions too. Lauren, thanks so much for your reporting and for talking to me about it. Yeah, thanks for your time. Lauren Hepler covers housing and neighborhood retail for The Chronicle. You can find her story about Christopher Can's two-year battle for four safe parking spaces in Palo Alto at sfchronicle.com or on The Chronicle app. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. <laughs> 